Come on, make some noise for Pastor Mo. Such a great job. Such a great job. Hey, I'm Pastor Josh Roberts. I'm the lead pastor here at IFC. And I want to just say welcome. Welcome to church today. As Pastor Mo said, welcome home if you're a guest with us. Hey, make yourself at home. Turn to your neighbor and say, take it easy. It's a no-pressure church. I want you to know that we love you. We're excited you're here. Would you make some noise for my friends watching around the world today? Thank you for joining us today. We're so pumped. Happy Father's Day to all the dads watching, and happy Father's Day to all my friends right here in the house. Come on, one more time. I was thinking about um, today, and I, I don't have a Father's Day message, so turn your neighbor and say it's going to be okay. But I do have a scripture that I wanted to share. I was reading this this morning as I got up. Luke chapter 15, verse 20. This is the story of the prodigal son. And it says, so he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he was filled with compassion for him. And the father ran to his son, threw his arms around him and he kissed him. It's a powerful story of of a picture of our heavenly father. I want to just say, number one, I want to honor all the dads who have shown fatherly love to children that probably didn't deserve it. Thank you. Because that's what the father does. He goes after the boys that run away. He goes after the prodigals. And so I want to say just thank you for all the dads who didn't quit on your kids. Thank you. Thank you to all the dads who have stood strong in the face of adversity for your families. You've been an anchor and a pillar for your home, a spiritual leader in your house. I want to say on behalf of our staff, thank you for being the head of your home. And today I want to recognize all the dads who said yes to being the head of the household and honoring God and your leadership in your home. I honor you today. I honor all the dads who are now granddads. Come on, can you make some noise for the granddads? We have, we have great-grandfathers, great-grandfathers in the house. And then I want to say... Um, It's important that we honor our spiritual fathers. We have natural fathers, but today, and I want you to encourage you, make a call. My dad, you're watching. Dad, I love you. Thank you for imparting everything you know into me. Thank you for investing in me. I love you. My my father-in-law's here, Al. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for raising four amazing young ladies that I I got to marry one of them, and I'm I'm better for it. Thank you for putting up with everything you did. And... um, (laughs) If I think about this in the moment of natural dads, we all have spiritual fathers. Sometimes we forget spiritual dads. So today, text, call, make a FaceTime video to someone that's been a spiritual impact. I want to I say one more thing. Uh, 2 Corinthians 6.18, this is for all those that didn't have a dad. He says, I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. Today could be difficult for some people because they either didn't know their dad, they don't have a dad, or their dad just wasn't a good father. And I hate that that's the case for for many people uh, in in, in our society today. But I want to tell you, you may not have had a natural dad, but he wants to be your spiritual father. And I'm going to ask you today, hear what God's speaking to you. He says in the scriptures, he's turning the hearts of the sons back to the Father. And I, I really believe that's a picture of what's happening in our church, that, that men and women who didn't have natural parents 
Man, you're meeting Christ Jesus, your brother and God the Father. And I want to say that's the highest of importance today. Amen? Happy Father's Day. Hey, today we're going to continue uh, for the next few minutes. We're, we're, we're two weeks in. This is our week two of our series on the local church. Everybody say the local church. And, and today, today I want to take part two. I want to talk about your role, my role, our roles as believers in the church. I want to give you just a few points that we talked about last week. And if you weren't here, go back and watch the, go back and watch the message or listen to it on the podcast. I think it's important that you understand that the church is not a building that it is a group of people. I think it's uber important in this season. Uber important, is that something we can say? <laughs> it's uberly important, not like car riding, but like significantly important. That you understand church isn't a place you go on Sundays. It's someone that you've been called to be 365 days a year. You and I are the local church. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking to you today. Last week we looked at Colossians 127 was our key verse and it says this Christ is in you Paul said this to the church and I'm saying it to you as your pastor Christ is in you and Christ in you bringing with him the hope of the glorious things to come we like to say it this way the local church is the hope of the world the local church is the hope of the world not a place you arrive at but a place that you take the church to I I said it this way last week and I want to just make this my declaration. The church is God's vehicle for reaching the lost with the hope of Jesus and then equipping them for a life of service. Church isn't a building, it's a group of people. Let me pray for you and we'll jump into part two today. Lord, we thank you for for calling us, for equipping us for this season. We say yes to you. We say yes to you. You called us a royal priesthood You've given us a name and a calling and a purpose. And so, Lord, we say, yes, we will be your church. Lord, as I pray today, I ask you to give us an understanding of of the responsibility that you've given us. If it's not a building and it's a group of people, Lord, help us to understand there's a role, there's a responsibility, there's a weight to being the church. I pray that you imprint these principles on our hearts today, on our minds, that as we go about our work week, that you would remind us of what we're going to hear today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Last week I shared a scripture with you, and I'll, I'll jump right in here. I don't have any funny stories up front. I want to preach today for the few minutes we have together. First Peter 2.5 out of the English Standard Version, it says, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. It's a little bit of buzz in this monitor, David. If you could see if you could take that down for me just a hair. You yourselves are like living stones and being built up as spiritual houses. Again, this confirms it's not a place you go on Sundays. I'm grateful that you're here at 99 Concord Street, early service with me. And some of you said today we're going to church, but really you're just going to gather with other believers that are the church. He says that it's not brick and mortar, it's not a stage, it's not carpet, it's not beams, it's not lights. This is not the church, this is just another building that we have redeemed where we would gather as the church. We, we do feel like this is a holy place. God's blessed us with an amazing facility. But you need to understand this facility is a gathering place for us, the living stones. And so today I want to talk about what the Lord asks of us 
as his living stones, as, as the church of believers. You could ask this question, what is the role of a living stone? That's it right there. What is the role of a living stone? You don't have to go. She's fine. What are the qualities displayed? I like people that talk back to me, by the way. What are the qualities that are displayed in the life of a believer? I want to go through six, seven of them as much time as we've got today. I want to impress upon you that, that you, when you said yes to Jesus, you said more than you really thought. When you answered the call and you said, yes, I want Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of my life, I submit my life to him. I submit my life to you, Lord. I will be a living stone. I will be the church. Use me whatever way you can. You, you might have bit off more than you thought you were bargaining for. And I want to bring up just a few points today that I really believe are signs or indicators if we are really being the church. I'm reading a book right now, and, and, and the, the, the author, he makes a statement, are we making disciples, or are we faking disciples? And, and I'm reading this book, and I'm, I'm caught off guard, because he's questioning everything in this book that we do as a church, and we call ourselves church. You know, there needs to be some signs that follow our lives. There should be a separation. Me and, me and my father-in-law were talking about this the other day. There should be a separation between us and the world. When we go to work, they should know there's something different about that dude right there. I don't know what it is, but I can tell you this. He ain't like everybody else. I can tell you the difference. He's a living stone, not a dead zombie. He ain't just wandering through this life. Man, God's equipped him and called him. He said, yes, and he is an example of Christ. Here's the first, here's the first quality of a living stone, and that is as a church, we've decided that we're going to live a life of sacrifice. How one doesn't get a lot of cheering and blessing and, hey, hey that's great. You know, if I said, hey, when you sign up, the Lord's going to make you a millionaire, we'd all be like, Yeah. But when pastor says, hey, when you choose this life, you've chosen a life of sacrifice, it really makes you think, what do, you, what do you mean? What kind of sacrifice are you talking about? Matthew 16, 24 says this, Jesus told his disciple, if anyone comes after me, if you're going to follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my name's sake, that dude's going to find it. That young lady's going to find it. That family's going to find it. What's he saying? They're going to find their identity. They're going to find their purpose. Jesus is asking us to take up our cross daily. Everybody say daily. daily. Not once a week on Sundays. Every day we choose we have the opportunity to choose to be the church by sacrificing what is comfortable to us so that somebody else can hear the gospel. Let me ask you this. If it costs you something, if it, let me say it this way. If it doesn't cost you something, you might need to check how close you are in following Christ. I'm, I'm starting with the hard It's going to get easier, trust me. I just started with the hard one right up front. Let's just get the hard one out of the way. But listen, we, we, we've been called to follow him. And he says, take up your cross daily. If you're going to follow me, you got to take it up. you got to pick it up. you got to get up tomorrow morning, Monday morning. Pick up your cross. Carry on. Be an example. Sacrifice. For, for what purpose? So that somebody can see that you're different. That you're not selfish. It's easy to spot the selfish people at work. 
Someone brings a box of donuts and they eat three. And you're like, dude, there's seven more employees. There's only four donuts left. You selfish. Oh, it wasn't me. Oh, really? You're the dude licking your fingers. <laughs> it's easy for us to spot selfishness. But let me ask you this. How easy is it for us to spot sacrifice? Man, when somebody sees you laying down your agenda to make sure that they're happy and they're content and they're loved, man, that's the picture of Christ. Peter said this in, in Matthew 9, 19. He said, we've left everything to follow you, Jesus. So what's in it for us? You ever had that conversation with the Lord? You should have that conversation with the Lord. You should, you should have that conversation. And it's okay. I think some people think it's, it's disrespectful to, to talk in a certain tone to the Lord. I think he's bigger than your tone. I think he's bigger than your attitude. I think he's bigger than the four-letter words you might say. You've got to be real with him. Lord, I've given up everything. What is in it for me? Jesus said, hey, I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, he's talking about after the rapture, he said, everyone, everybody say everyone, everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mother or wife or children, for my sake, they're going to receive a hundred times as much and will inherit it in eternal life. I'll say this to you. There's a blessing that comes with sacrifice. There's a reward that comes with sacrificial living. When you give up your ways and your methods and your preferences to make sure that the gospel goes forth, I'm going to say this. He's taking notice of every action, of every word, of every deed, of every bit of kindness and joy that you exert to the world who's actually trying to hurt you. They killed Jesus, and he said, hey, they just don't know what they're doing. They just don't have a clue, Lord. Forgive them. Let me ask you this. When you feel persecuted, when someone does you wrong, is that your response? Or is it, oh, Lord, give me the strength to rip their face off? You know where I find sacrifice, and it's in the most odd places? You know, I think we think of sacrifice as these big things. It's the little things. Like when you're driving around the shopping center for 35 minutes where there's no parking spot. And you're frustrated. And then that car you see pulling out, he pulls, he's backing up. And you immediately run up there and you turn your turn signal on, letting everybody around you know, that's my spot. That joker right there, he's leaving that little RAV4. I'm going to whip it. Don't take my spot. And then you turn away for two seconds because the kids are yapping. And some mom in her minivan whips in there. <laughs> and you're like, oh. Oh, if you didn't have those kids with you. I'd give you a piece of my mind right now. And the Lord says, hey, count it all joy. You're a single dude. You can walk from the back parking lot. She got three little kids in the stroller. Yeah, but I wanted that parking spot. What is that? It's a sacrifice. That's, that's not much of a sacrifice. It's the little things, guys, where we acknowledge the Lord and the little things. I'm going to tell you this. When you'll sacrifice little preferences and little things, it makes it so much easier when he says to you, hey, I want you to do this or that and do something of a significant sacrifice. You could say, he's been faithful in the little. He'll be faithful over the much. Yes. Oh, that parking spot wasn't a big deal. Oh, that thing, whatever it was. 
Don't let the little sacrifices keep you from the rewards of the big sacrifices. Sacrifice in this life, rewards are in eternity. The second quality of a living stone or a quality of someone who is the church is not only a life of sacrifice, they live a life of service. They live a life of service. We talk a lot about that here at our church because we believe this. It says in Ephesians 4, Christ himself, the head of the church, he gave the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And and by the way, there's a bunch more list that goes on. He's just listing a few. So if you don't fall into one of those fives, let me say there's other gifts. He's just listing a few. And what are they for? They're to equip. Everybody say to equip. To equip his people for the work of service. So that the body of Christ, the local church, may be built up. Uh, How long? Until we all reach unity in the faith. And in the knowledge of the Son of God. And and we become mature. Everybody say mature. Mature. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The local church, you and I, are an equipping place. God's placed gifts within this body to equip the saints for the work of ministry. You are here to either equip somebody else or to serve somebody else. There's two roles in the church. You're an equipper or you're a servant. And I'll be honest with you, for many of us, we're both. We're equipping and serving. We're we're equipping and serving. Everybody say, I'm an equipper and I'm a servant. Here's the thing, when we become the church and you say yes to Jesus, you've said, whether you realize it or not, I'm not coming to participate, I'm coming to contribute. I'm not coming to observe, I'm coming to give. I'm not a contributor, I mean, I'm not an observer, I'm not one that just comes and sits and listens and watches, I'm one that came to make sure that somebody else has the opportunity to live a life in this moment, undistracted, so they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you see those, those men and women out on the front stoop in the rain, waving at you, and holding those signs and doing the little dance, and they're waving at you when you come into church. They're setting the tone as a servant to prepare you to hear the gospel. I say it this way: some of us claim to be spiritual, but you're not. Oh, I said the hard part was over. I'm sorry. Some of us we paint the picture that we're saved, we're sanctified, we're holy. We're spiritually mature, and yet we've opted out of serving. I'm going to say this. Well, let me back. I'm just going to repeat what he said. Your service is connected to your maturity. He said that we are given gifts to equip the saints for the work of the ministry so that we'll all be unified in the faith, and that we'll all be fully mature in who he's called us to be. Your maturity, your growth is directly connected to how you serve. I'm telling you right now, some of us, man, I want to grow in my faith. Man, it's time to put on a towel. It's time to grab a towel and and say, hey, I I don't need status. I I want to serve somebody else because I want to grow into the maturity which he has for my life. We have over 30-something dream teams here at IFC. There's no reason you can't grow in your faith. I'm, I'm, I'm pastoring you right now, and I, I, I'm sorry if this hurts your feelings, but when you are the church and you say you're the church, it's connected to your role in the house. 
Some of us, we would, I'll just say this, we need you. And you need us. There's a blessing that comes with serving. You can't get any other way. There's a maturity and a growth process that happens in your life as a believer that happens no other way. One of the greatest opportunities we have as living stones is to serve others. Jesus even said it himself. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. Let me ask you, where are you serving today? What team are you on? Where are you giving of your gifts and talents? Where are you bringing strength to an area of the body that needs it? Number three, we're called to, to, to walk in love. I'll switch here for now. Well, we're here to, to walk in love. I, I just shared with you the story about the, the person stealing my car, my, my parking spot. There's things that happen to us all the day long out in the world that are very unloving. In fact, it seems like people are only out for themselves right now. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, everybody is putting themselves first and they don't care about anybody else. And you got you to hear me. Society is telling us, look out for numero uno. Numero, how do you say that in Spanish? That's right. Look out for yourself. Nobody going to look out for you. Let me tell you this. Jesus already been looking out for you. You don't have to look out for yourself. He already made a way for you. You're going to be fine. We have the opportunity to take the high road and to walk in love. Listen, love is our standard. It's our mandate for this year, but it's a mandate for, 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 for eternity for the local church. Love all and serve all. We are required as the body to love everybody. Matthew 22, the Pharisees are pinning Jesus down. Tell us which one of God's commands is most important. Try to stump him. Try to get him caught off guard. He said, you guys, it's so simple. Just love the Lord your God with all your passion, with all your prayer, with all your intelligence. This is the most important. In fact, it's the first on any list. But there's a second. If I say there's another one, say there's more. <laughs> there's a second set that goes alongside of it, and it is love others as well as you love yourself. And these two commands are pegs. Everything in God's law and the prophets hangs on them. They're trying to say, which one of the 10 is the most important? He's saying, you jokers, you don't even realize it. You don't need 10, you only need two. If you honor God, love God, and love people, you fulfilled the other 10. It's, it's almost like we're putting like a, a new coat rack up. And we're going to put two screws in to hold the coat rack. This one is love God, this one's love people. And then if you'll do those two, you can hang every other thing on those. It's not an option for us as the church. We don't get to opt out of, I'm not walking in love today. Well, then you just opted out of the blessing that comes on you for being the church. We have the opportunity to put our flesh down and to love everybody as much as we love ourselves. I want to say this to you. Right now, in this month of July, is not the best month to post all your homophobic stuff online. Well, we got to tell them the truth. Let's mix it with love first. You making a statement on Facebook because it's Pride Month does not show the love of God to those who are seeking a father figure in their life. Let's be the church. 
Let's not take pot shots in a time where everybody's watching to see how the church is responding. You want to reach those people? I do. I'm going to love them. We want to be the church, love everybody, no matter how they vote, no matter their affiliation. Jesus died for all of humanity. But us as the church, and I'm, I'll just be honest, I'm sick of it all month seeing this nonsense posted on stuff. Save it. Love these people. Your little stinking post is about you, not them. Your love walk opens the door for the gospel. I said your love walk, your extension. Come on, somebody, help me today. You've got to hear this. The world is watching how you're going to respond. Well, they're provoking us. Yeah, they're lost. Oh, they have an agenda. Of course they do. But do you think going head to head with them on social media is going to win them over? You're the idiot. Sorry, that wasn't in my notes. It's the goodness, God. It's the goodness. It's the goodness. It's the goodness. It's the love of God that leads men to repentance, not your judgment post. It's the goodness of God. They need to know that he loves them. Your walk of love distinguishes you from others or not. What separates us? He said, they shall know you by your fruits. What are the fruits? They all start from love. Look at the fruits of the Spirit. Take some time this week and look at the fruits of the Spirit. It's like an orange that's been peeled and there's nine little layers, but it's still all love. Love is displayed through kindness, gentleness, meekness. We could go down the line, but it all evolves from love. The church has got to be known for what we're for more than what we're against. I didn't realize that was going to go over like a lead balloon. We can either love all or serve all. And don't get all pious and say, it is love to speak the truth. You don't know those people. Get down on their level and know somebody. Get to know their name. Have dinner with them. Have a relationship with them. And then ask the Lord, how do I love them? You as a keyboard hacker are distinguishing our church from other churches. And I don't like it. This is a love all, serve all house. Everybody's welcome here. I said, everybody's welcome here. We were all created in the image and likeness of Christ Jesus. Every one of these seats should be filled with the lost. But if I was a lost, I wouldn't want to come to a church where I saw a bunch of hackers posting against my stance. I would want them to get to know me before they judged me. Love all, serve all. Let's keep moving. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's still happy. <laughs> Another quality of the church as a living stone, of us being living stones, is we lead a life of generosity. We lead a life of generosity. We see that Christ, he came to serve, he sacrificed, but everywhere you went, he was gracious, he was kind, and he was generous. There was always more than enough when Jesus was around. I, I, I think Jesus might have been Italian. 
Because there was always extra food left over at Jesus' parties. There was always extra love. There was always more than enough. He, he exuded abundance in his life. He lived a life of generosity. So you can't call yourself the church and be stingy. You, you just can't. You, you, you can't say, I'm part of the church. I'm the local church. I'm a follower of Christ. But, but, but I'm going to be stingy with my money. I'm going to be stingy with my stuff. No, a sign that we are the church is that we're generous. We say it this way. Your generosity speaks for you before you ever open your mouth. Your generosity, your kindness. And generosity doesn't always have to be money. It could just be opening the door and being courteous. It could be just being nice to the waiter. I, I, I'm so frustrated that I have to catch myself because people in the service industry, man, right now they take a lot of rap. I almost said crap, but probably both. They have a bad rap because they put up with our crap. Everywhere we go, they're understaffed and underpaid. And then we decide, oh, well, we demand this kind of service. Listen, just a little kindness. You'll get the best service you ever had. Be generous. Listen, we become, we freely give because we have received freely. I love everybody enough to tell you, you don't, what you own and what you possess is a gift from God. It wasn't your own ability. Well, I built the business from the ground up. Yeah, with, with whose wisdom? Yo, these are my skills. Who gave them to you? Well, I went to college, my degrees. I mean, because I studied so hard. Hold on. He created you. He gave you the mind of Christ. Whatever success you have in your life in terms of stuff, resources, and you, it all came from him, baby. I said it all came from him. And the sooner we realize that, the sooner we'll have more because when you give, it just keeps coming back. You cannot give God. We honor God by being generous, but we also honor God. I want to talk about this for just a moment. We honor God by returning the tithe to the local storehouse. We, we honor, if everything came from him, if he's, if he's the blessings of all good and all perfect gifts cometh from the Father above, guess what? He gave them to us and now we return them. And the Bible says we return them back to the local church. And I want to just say this because I, I've been having this conversation with people all over the world lately about the tithe and, and giving, and, and there's some, some crazy stuff going on and confusion. Your tithe, your 10%, your, your first fruits, the tithe is, it's, let me just back up, your tithe is the first fruits. It's, it's the first fruits, not the last fruits. It's not we give back to God what we have left over after we pay our bills. We honor God first. Everybody say first. first. We honor him first. We return. We return what's already been given to us first, and then he blesses the other 90%. And, and I, again, I just want to clear this up. Your tithe goes through the local church, not to the local church. You know, you're not giving your tithe to IFC. You're giving your tithe through IFC. But let me say this to you. You can't tithe let me back up. It's, it's not a tithe if you give your first fruits to someone else or something else. I'm just being real with it because there's some confusion about where the blessing comes on. You can't tithe to the March of Dimes and expect your 90% to be blessed. 
They don't have that ability. They don't have the, 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 the supernatural power to redeem that and turn it around. Your, your money to St. Jude's is great. But if that's your tithe, I'm going to tell you this. They can't bless the other 90%. Your tithe goes to and through the local storehouse, and then the Lord blesses it. Listen to this. Don't take my word for it. Look at here in Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, which is the local church, that there may be food in my house. He even says, hey, just try it out. Test me, says the Lord God Almighty, and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it up. And this is the blessing that comes. Not only is the blessing coming down, I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops. The vines of your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all nations, everybody say all nations. All nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. The tithe. Listen, the tithe is your connection to the covenant. It's not your duty to Pastor Josh or IFC. It has nothing to do with us. Wherever you go, if this isn't your home church, where you go, where you get fed, wherever you're pastored, that is your storehouse. That's where you bring the tithe. And not only will he bless it, it says that he will make sure your stuff keeps on ticking. I'm not a farmer, but I would assume this is a reference to farming. I'll I'll rebuke the devourer from, from, from stuff coming to eat in your crops. I'll say it this way. I'm not a farmer, but I have belongings and stuff that produce. It means my investments are protected. Everybody else is 401k dropping down. Mine's going up. How's that even possible? Uh, it's, well, it's not naturally possible. It's supernaturally possible because I'm a tither. Man, it seems like your cars never break down. I mean, you guys drive those things forever. Hey, uh, it sounds crazy. Uh, we're just tithers. We've had to replace the roof five times on our house in the last 30 years. Hey, we've had this roof for 35 years and never replaced. What is it? It's the blessing of the Lord on your house. That tithe protects your stuff. I'm, I'm going to give a challenge here because he said, test him. Some of you, you're, you're new to this. I say, test God. For the next 30 days, the next 60 days, 90 days, whatever test you want to set for yourself, take that tithe that you've been sowing somewhere else and honor God with it. Bring it to the storehouse. Lord, I honor you today. Thank you for this job. Thank you for this increase. Thank you for the ability to to get wealth. And so, Lord, today I honor you. I return 10% back. And here's what I'm asking. I'm asking you bless the other 90. Because you know if you bless the other 90, I'll continue to be generous. Two more, two more. You ready? The life of a living stone regularly gathers for worship. As a believers, as community, we, we regularly gather for worship. That's a quality. You can't say you're a part of something and then go do your own thing on Sundays. You just can't. We gather together collectively to do multiple things, but here's the two big ones that I think you need to hear today. We gather together collectively so we can worship and give thanks to God Almighty and so we can come and gather and hear His Word and get direction for our life. Statistics say that after COVID, the church of Jesus Christ is diminishing significantly in many areas, but one of them significantly is in regular attendance. Right now in America, the local church 
The believers in the local church, they go once every three weeks. Come on. They go once every three weeks. Right here at IFC, just so you know, the average family only comes twice a month. They come twice a month because they don't value the gathering together. We've gotten used to being at home. No disrespect to those that are working or traveling or on vacation. We have the online for you. But it's not a substitute if you live here and can come gather. It's not a substitute for getting up early and getting your kids ready and coming and worshiping in the house. There's something that happened during worship this morning that they can't translate through a camera. It just can't. You've got to be in the room. You've got you to be a part of this. And so I'm calling our family home. If you've gotten comfortable, if you just slipped into that COVID ritual, it's just easier to turn it on and watch it at home. I get texts every week, Pastor, we're with you, we're watching. Hey, I'm glad you're watching, but I miss your face. I miss your participation. We miss the anointing that's on your life. We need to gather as a family to spur each other on. Hebrews says, forsake not the assembly of yourselves together as in the manner of some but exhorting one another in so much more as you see the day approaching. Us gathering together weekly to worship God is part of a spiritual discipline. It's a discipline. We get up, we go to be with our family, we go to worship together, we bring our tithes, we serve in the house of God. Your attendance, your worship, your kind words are fuel into somebody else's soul and encourages them in their walk with the Lord, but that only happens face to face. I'll say it this way. You need community, and we need you in our community. I've gone through tough times, and it was the local church. It was my friends who who came up and gave me a hug on a Sunday that I wanted to quit. They gave me a fist bump when I thought my message sucked. That was awesome, Pastor. You're just being kind. That was horrible. I need you. And there may be times where you come in dragging, and you need somebody else to give you a hug and say, keep on rocking, Bob. It's only going to get better. When we gather together, we sharpen each other as iron. The last one, and there's many more qualities we could have talked about, but the last quality of a living stone or someone that is part of the local church is true authenticity. They live a life of authenticity. 1 Corinthians 12 says, The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part depending on every other part. The parts we mentioned those parts we don't talk about the parts you see the parts we don't want to see that was supposed to be funny if any part if one part hurts every part is involved in the hurt and in the healing if one part flourishes every other part enters into its exuberance listen to this you are Christ's body that's who you are you must never forget this listen only as you accept your part of that body Does your part mean anything? Only as you accept your part of that body does your part even mean anything. A couple final statements. You are unique. You're unique. There's only one of you. There will only ever be one of you. You're one of a kind. Nobody can take your place. So we need you to take your place in the church, in the body. People get offended at church. We love this word right now. There's a phrase going around that I absolutely hate. We're coining a new word, church hurt. Church hurt. I was hurt by the church. I was hurt. So I'm leaving because I'm mad. 
Hold on. We've all been hurt by the church. We're humans. Well, that pastor, he ticked me off. He's human. Go talk to him. Maybe I've offended you. Somebody messaged this week and left us a one-star review and said, that pastor, he's such a show-off. I like the old pastor better. I said, hey, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. I, I didn't know. I'm not trying to be a show-off. I'm just trying to be unique. I'm just trying to be me. You be you, I'll be me. But let's sit down and talk about it. Don't leave upset without a conversation. Because your part is a place in the body. I'm taking my gift and I'm leaving. Okay. Let me ask you, what are you going to do with that gift? I'm taking it. And I'm leaving. You know that that gift only works when it's connected in the body? Your, your gift doesn't work outside the local church. I shared this story many times, but it changed my life. I was skiing for the very first time when I was 16 years old, and I saw a lady fall down, and a man skied over her face. And it shaved the tip of her nose right off. I just, psh. And my friend, Deborah McCorder, she's a nurse. She ran over and grabbed that nose, and she made a snowball. And when the paramedics got there, she said, you're going to want this. A snowball? This woman's got her face cut. She said, no, the nose is in the snowball. You might want that. And they said, oh my gosh, that's amazing because we can reattach it. You can't take your part and leave the church and think that it's going to continue to grow. Your part shrivels and dies when it's not connected to the life source, Jesus Christ, the head of the church. Let's, let's, let's be mature in this. I, I, I may offend you. I'm not trying to. Someone else may offend you. I served on that team and they were just rude to me. Well, maybe they were having a bad day. Give them some grace. You came in with a sour attitude last week and we gave you grace. They didn't return my phone call. You called 10 minutes ago. We're so easily offended right now. This is where I want to stop for just a second. Don't be so easily offended. You're the church. If you're not resilient, what happens with the move of God moving forward? we got to have some thick skin, and we might have to have some tough conversations, but don't take your part and leave. Your part belongs in the house. Your part belongs on a team. Your part belongs in a community. We have a place for you. I'll say this in closing. If you've been hurt by the church, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Give some folks some grace. There's no perfect pastor. There's no perfect small group leader. There's no perfect team leader. There's no perfect children's worker. Don't give them junk when you go up there and pick up your kids. Shake their hand and say, thank you for making the deposits into my kids this week. I realized you worked 70 hours just like I did. Thank you for giving me 60, 70 minutes to go and hear the word. Go be gracious to them. They're just trying to use their part. Stand with me. Let's close this out. Forgive me if I offended you today. Sorry, not sorry. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'll ask you a couple of questions. I'll give you some homework here. If you're the Christ, if you're Jesus, if Jesus is in you, if you're a carrier of the hope of glory, you need to recognize you are the vehicle 
that's going to win the lost and disciple. We need you here. So here's a couple questions to ask yourself. I'm asking myself, what does the life of a living stone look like? It looks like sacrifice, serving. Generosity is a tithing. Love is the high road. It's a life committed to community and a life committed to authenticity. Every one of us has adjustments we should make. What's, what's the adjustment you need to make this week? How can we grow in the second half of this year as a church? How? How can we grow? I'm not talking about numeric. I'm talking about us as individuals. How can we as individuals, as living stones, grow in this next six months before the end of the year? I can tell you how. Go down this list. Lord, where do I need to tweak if I'm the church? Ask him, is there an area of my life that needs to be refocused so I can be the church rather than just attend the church? Maybe for you it's sacrifice. For many of us it's bringing our gifts and talents, our time and talent and treasure and serving others with that. For some of you it would just be a simple adjustment of I'm going to tithe, I'm going to honor God in my giving. And then for many of us it would just be being authentic, just being who God's called you to be, taking your place. Whether you think it's important or not, we need you. Whether it's a behind-the-scenes role or it's an out-front role, we need you a part of this body. We together, I said we together make up the body. Lord, I ask you, bless this house, bless these people. Lord, I pray that they are encouraged. I pray that they are stirred. I pray that they recognize they represent you everywhere they go. And Lord, they've been given the greatest opportunity that any human being could ever be participating in, and that is to be the church of Jesus Christ. Lord, I ask you to tap them on the shoulder this morning. Holy Spirit, nudge them today as they go home, encouraging them, empowering them to be all that you've called them to be. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Pastor Mo. That was so good. Man, before we let you go, let you know that our prayer team is up front. But let's think about this. If you're here, all of this starts with a heart surrendered to Jesus. All of it starts with a, with a, with a life. It, it starts with us admitting that we're sinners, but telling Jesus, like, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want eternity with you. And if you're here in this place and you've not said the prayer, to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord. Our team will be up here and we'd love to pray with you. So at the end of service, please come up, introduce yourself to them and let them know it's like, I want this Jesus. I need this Jesus and we'll pray with you. And if you need prayer for anything, we want to be here for you. Our team will be up front as well. And uh, on your way out, you can leave your uh, offering in the black receptacles on the second floor and on this first floor. But also dads, we got donuts for you maple bacon lord jesus man but let me pray a blessing over our fathers father god we thank you and i lift up every dad here lord lord as they continue to pursue you as they continue to walk out this journey with you that they will have an encounter with you daily that they will uh, be able to do what you've called them to they will walk with such strength such joy such peace such compassion father we thank you for allowing us to be fathers for allowing us to be in a place where we can uh, pour into those 
that are in our lives, those that we father, that we uh, parents, those that we mentor. Father, we are truly blessed to be used by you. So I thank you, Father God, for all that you're doing in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Okay, dads, happy Father's Day. You are dismissed.